Well, 78 years ago, World War II was raging, and uh, there's a junior in high school, this kid named Bill, who had just turned 17. And uh, when he turned 17, he knew that what that meant was he could go off to war if his parents signed off on it. And so his birthday, he begged his parents and asked his parents if they would sign off, and they did. And within a week of Bill turning 17, uh, he was heading off to boot camp as he joined the Navy. Well, not long after, a year and a half later, uh, the war was over and Bill was discharged. And uh, he decided to go back to high school to get his diploma, which he hadn't gotten and uh, his principal didn't like that idea very much, of, uh, an, an older guy who had really been all around the world uh, coming back to high school just didn't feel like that was a, a good fit, and so he really gave Bill a hard time, and uh, that year, Bill also, he played football, and even on the, um, on the program that everybody got, it had everybody's, uh, every, each player's name listed, and then at the end, it had plus three former service players with no name. Not wanted there, uh, Bill decided to um, go, he decided to quit high school for the second time and go back to the Navy, and that's just what he did, and uh, that's where he would be for the next 20 years. Uh, once on leave, he reconnected with a lady from a farm back home, and they eventually got married at a double wedding in the middle of a snowstorm where no family members, no one was able to, to go there for it. And after the wedding, they moved to wherever Bill was stationed, first Seattle, then San Diego, then Chicago, then back to San Diego, then Idaho, then Pensacola, then, then Rhode Island. And, uh, and they did that for, for, again, for 20 years. And during that time, they went on to have three boys. And uh, later, they were able to have, they had grandchildren, which was even better. And uh, after 24 years of service and three wars, my granddad, um, he retired from the Navy and he's gone now, but one thing that he instilled in me was really a deep appreciation for our, for our veterans and people who served in the armed forces. And, um, and I think there's many vets out there where you're just like, you know what, I just served four to six years. It's not that big of a deal. So many guys have done so much more, and you don't, even, you don't want any recognition for it. Okay, I, I get that. But I think for the rest of us, it is really, really good for us to say thank you to you. I think it's good for us to do that. And so that's what we're going to do here this morning. If you have served in any capacity within our armed forces, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, um, the Marines, the, the National Guard, if you would stand for us for a second and keep standing. We actually have a gift that we would like to give you, and we'd like to show you our appreciation from just from our church family. So if you'd stand right now, um, we'd appreciate that. Almost everybody has gotten. Again, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your service and thank you for what you've done uh, for us and for our country. Uh, the last few weeks here at Grace, um, we have been going through the, life, the, the story of the life of this kid. Of the, he's not a kid anymore at this point in the story. This guy named Joseph. And we were introduced to Joseph a few weeks ago as a 17-year-old kid. Uh, he had 10 older brothers. He, they hated him because uh, Joseph was his dad's favorite. And so one day, remember what happens? Uh, Joseph, he actually sends, or his dad actually sends Joseph 
um, to go check up on his brothers who are miles and miles away, and he goes, and they see him coming, and again, they hate him so much that they're like, you know what, let's kill him, but then a wave of compassion overflows them, and they decide, you know what, instead of killing him, let's just sell him off as a slave, and that's just what they do. Um, the brothers wave goodbye, see you, Joe, and Joe knows that he will never probably ever see home again, and his brothers know that they will never, ever, ever have to deal with Joseph again, and Joseph is taken to Egypt. He's thrown up on the auction block. He's sold as a slave to a guy named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is significant because this guy named Potiphar, this Egyptian guy, he was actually one of Pharaoh's um, most trusted officials. He was the captain of the guard, meaning he was like in charge of protecting Pharaoh and in charge of Pharaoh's secret service. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that in Genesis chapter 39, kind of where we left off last week, that the Lord was with Joseph, in which we all like to think, what, where, how, how is that even possible? God is the one who stood by as Joseph was hated. God was the one who stood by as Joseph was sold off as a slave. How could God be with Joseph? And then he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. And so Joseph starts working up through the ranks, and he's still very much a slave at this point. And uh, people start to notice. In fact, Potiphar notices, and Potiphar realizes that everything that he gives Joseph to do, he does very, very, very well, and he's super successful at it. In fact, Joseph, he goes above and beyond everything Potiphar asks him to do every single time. And so Potiphar decides he's going to put Joseph in charge of everything that he owned. And, that's, and, and Joseph's in charge of his business dealings. He's in charge of his house. He's in charge of everything. But Potiphar's not the only one who notices, right? The girls start to notice because the Bible tells us that uh, Joseph, he is well-built and he's handsome. And uh, one of the girls that start to notice happens to be Potiphar's wife who begins ordering and begging Joseph to sleep with her on a daily basis. And every day, Joseph has to get out of there. And every day, it's a temptation for Joseph. And every day, he has to, he has to get himself out of that circumstance and he has to say no. And he refuses until one day, she's kind of had it. She's like, today's the day, Joseph, you are a slave. I am your master. And he refuses and he runs out of the room. And she's part angry and she's part embarrassed. And so she starts screaming. She accuses Joseph as trying to rape her. And when Potiphar gets home that night, he is ticked. He is furious and he has Joseph thrown in prison. And that's where we left off with Joseph last week. It says, So Joseph was there in prison. And we think of this, and we're like, man, this poor guy. <laughs> like, don't you feel bad for him? Like, he can't seem to catch a break. Again, his family's a mess. His brothers hate him. He's sold off as a slave. He's kidnapped. Uh, he's a slave in a foreign country. He can't even speak the language. So that's something that he had to learn. And even so, he tries to live the way that God wants him to live. This kid, he's working hard. He does what he's told, almost everything that he's told. Uh, he does the right thing when it comes to Potiphar's wife. All right, he resists temptation, and now he's thrown into prison. And by the way, prison isn't what we... View as prison today, it's just you're locked up, but it's not that bad, you know, or it's, you know, you lost your freedom and that's it. This is like terrible, okay? This is underground probably. It's cold, it's wet, it's dark. There's a good chance that Joseph isn't even able to see the sun when it comes to prison. He's stuck uh, really in this underground cave. And uh, naturally, we ask the question, where is God through all this? Like, why is God allowing this to happen? He seems like a pretty good kid. All right, why would God allow this to happen to Joseph. And so today, let me just uh, be straight up with you guys. Today's going to be a little bit different. We have a lot of the story that we are going to go through today. And, um, and so usually when I'm doing a message, my, my, like how I try to do things is like I get a big idea and uh, something that I just kind of want to, you know, to, to 
like hammer home, if that makes sense, so that we leave going, hey, this is the thing I need to work on in my life. Today, we don't have that. Today, we're going through this story, and we're going to point out little things that I think apply to our lives. We're going to point out little things I think God teaches us, but we're not going to hammer one major thing home, okay? So we got a lot of verses to read. You guys with me? Okay. All right. It's a good story. I enjoy this story, and I'm enjoying this, so it should be, should be good. Genesis chapter 39, verse 20. It says, so Joseph was there in prison. Poor kid. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Here we go again. It's the exact same thing. Even as a, so as a slave, God's saying, hey, I was with him. And here Joseph's in prison and God's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with him in prison too. And so he extended, God extended kindness to him and he granted him favor with the prison warden. It actually makes me wonder, like, did Joseph ever think like, Lord, why can't you go be with somebody else for a little while? You know what I mean? Like, nothing seems to be working out for me that well. Worked out great for Potiphar. All right, it's going to work out great for the prison warden here, but it doesn't seem to work out good for me. And when we read this, we're like, huh, this doesn't make any sense. It's like completely opposite of how we normally think. Like, aren't good things supposed to happen to good people, and aren't bad things supposed to happen to bad people? Like, God, here's God. God's telling us that he's showing his kindness to Joseph by granting him favor with the prison warden. If God was truly with him, he shouldn't even know the prison warden, you know? Like, they they shouldn't be interacting with each other. And so Joseph, I'm sure he's thinking, you know, he's he's probably in his early 20s at this point. You know, I'm sure he's just like, man, God, everything seems to be working out. You're showing me your kindness. I get that. But you know what would be super kind? You know what I really appreciate? If I could get out of here. Right? If I, you could get me out of prison, like, that would be a really good way to show me kindness. All right? that, that would be, that'd be awesome. But God doesn't do that. And what it is, I think this is just a really good reminder for us that God's plan for our lives. By the way, let me just point out, he has a purpose for your life. Do you realize that? Right? Like, God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Whether you follow him or not, that's on you. All right, that's, that's your thing. But God has a plan for your life, and it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. He has a purpose for you. But usually, God's purpose and his plan doesn't line up with our idea of our purpose and plan. Does that make sense? All right, God's idea for our life doesn't line up perfectly with our idea for our life, which, by the way, is a good thing because usually our plans usually don't work out, Right? I mean, have you noticed that, that a lot of times your plans don't work out? So God's plan is way better. And so Joseph's here. He's in prison. The prison warden, the prison warden likes Joseph. And so it doesn't take long that uh, the warden put all the prisoners who were there in prison under Joseph's authority. And he was responsible for everything that was done there. And the warden didn't even bother with anything that, under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. Here we go again. You guys get like a theme in this story, okay, God's with him, God's with him, God's with him. Even when it doesn't look like God is with him, he actually is. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Remember, we talked about this last week, you cannot let your present circumstances determine how much you feel God is present in your life, right? Remember, you cannot let your present circumstances, whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever it looks like, right, you cannot allow that to to determine how much you feel God cares for you or God loves you, right? Those, that's not a good way to judge that. And last week we looked at, or last week we, we asked ourselves, how would your life change if you were confident that God was with you, like, all the time? Like, how would that change you? How would that change how you live? 
How would that change your life at home? How would that change your life at work? How would that change your life at school? Uh, you know, it, it, it should change us. And so Joseph, he's a great example of this. Joseph lived like God was with him, even though it, I'm sure there's many times in his life where he felt like God was super far away. And I think that's the difference in Joseph's life. In verse 40, or chapter 40, verse 1, it says, after this, so we don't know how long after this, we don't know how much time is there, but maybe even a year or so. It says, the kings, or the king of Egypt, actually, it would have been several years. Um, the king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. Now, this isn't something that you ever want to do. It's actually very kind of foreign uh, to us today, because today we can, like, talk smack about our, uh, our leaders, you know, all the time and whenever we want in public, and we're like, it's my right, you know, so you can't tell me what to do, you know. Uh, back then, it was completely different. Actually, most governments around the world um, throughout human history have been completely different. Here with Pharaoh, you did not want to do or say anything that would possibly offend Pharaoh. When Pharaoh walks in the room, what do you do? You tiptoe around him. You don't do anything that could possibly offend him. You agree with him on everything, and you tell him how good and awesome he is, okay? That's what you do with Pharaoh when he's in the room. Because if you offended Pharaoh, you were in trouble because Pharaoh uh, has your life in his hands. There's no questions, okay? There's no trial for you. It's just whatever Pharaoh decides, but this day, for some reason, we don't know exactly what happened here. The cupbearer and the baker offended Pharaoh. It says Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. Now, real quick, let's talk about what these two guys did um, because it's, it's important. Uh, both of these guys are, like, super trusted by Pharaoh. They're high officials within Pharaoh's, like, court. And as a high official, including Pharaoh... Um, there was, you know, somebody important. There was always somebody somewhere who wanted you dead, okay? It was always to somebody's advantage that you were gone and dead, even if you were a king, actually, especially if you were a king. And in this case, Pharaoh's the most powerful man in the world. So you can imagine Pharaoh's got a lot of enemies that would want him dead. And so the chief cupbearer and the chief baker were actually uh, to try to, their, their job was basically to protect Pharaoh from that. And so the chief cupbearer's job was he was responsible for the, for the kings or for the pharaohs' food and drink, meaning he would uh, eat, taste, like sample the king's food, and he would sample the king's drink before Pharaoh would, uh, just in case they were poisoned, okay? And so if he was poisoned, the cupbearer would die, and the pharaoh would, be, would survive. And so, you know, if, if he died, it'd be like, oh, man, we got to find a new cupbearer. But I'm alive, so that's great, okay? Awesome. Cart him away and bring me somebody new. That's what they would do, all right? That's what the cupbearer's literal job, literal job was. And he was in charge of all of that. And the chief baker, his job was something similar. Uh, he, this guy was a highly trained. He was in charge, basically, of the kitchen, okay? He ran the kitchen, Pharaoh's kitchen. And so he was in charge of all the food that Pharaoh would eat. And, uh, and you know, it was like if Pharaoh ordered a steak, uh, the chief baker, he knew exactly how Pharaoh liked his steak, and he brought Pharaoh the best steak that was ever produced, all right? Otherwise... He might offend Pharaoh and might be thrown in prison. We don't know what happened this day. Maybe they burned Pharaoh's chicken nuggets. I don't know. But something happened, and they offended Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh, sitting on his throne, he's like, hey, I don't like you guys anymore. You guys have made me mad. Goodbye. See you later. And, uh, and he throws them in prison. He actually put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guards. Now, who might that be? Potiphar. 
Potiphar. Okay. All right. Potiphar is the how he's the captain of the guards in the prison where Joseph was confined. Remember, Joseph's in prison. It says, the captain of the guards, Potiphar, he assigned Joseph to them as their personal attendant, and they were in custody for some time. So one night, we don't know how long this took, right? It says for some time. It could have been months. It could have been weeks. It could have been days. It could have been years. We don't know. But one night, both the cupbearer and the baker had some super weird dreams. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night or in the morning where you're like, that was weird, right? Right? Don't act like you haven't. You guys are better than me, all right? All right, dreams are weird, right? Like, some, like you don't want to talk about dreams most of the time because it's like, yeah, I don't know what my mind was thinking. Like, that came out of me? I don't know. And so um, that's exactly what happens here. Both these guys have some super weird dreams. And so in the morning, Joseph, he's doing his normal thing. He's going, he's making his rounds, he's making sure everybody's in their place, everybody's good to go. And he checks in with Pharaoh's X2 officials, and he notices that they're sad. Now, this is probably, I'm guessing prison, was probably a pretty normal place for these guys to be sad. Like, I'm assuming that was a very normal thing. But, uh, but Joseph walks in, and he's like, hey, you guys are normal sad. You're just like, you're like really, you're like sad, sad. And so what's going on here? He starts questioning them. Hey, is there anything, is there anything, you know, why are you extra sad today? And he notices this. And so um, he asks, what's up? And so they ask him, they tell him, they say, hey, we had some dreams, and they were weird. Okay, I'm kind of embarrassed to say anything about it, but, uh, but there is no one to interpret them, all right? We think they mean something. We don't know what they mean, but we think they mean something. And so then Joseph said to them, he says, hey, don't interpretations belong to God? Isn't this interesting real quick? All right? Here's Joseph in the worst place of his life, okay, in a worse circumstance, condition, really, probably than any of us have ever been in. And um, his life's just terrible and, let's be honest, miserable. And here's Joseph. You would think that he would have given up on God like a long time ago, like some of us have at different parts in our life. We're just like, my life is so bad. Okay, God, whatever. I'm doing my own thing. You know, that, by the way, that doesn't usually work out too well, too well for us. But here, all right, here's Joseph. He's in the middle of, like, the most miserable circumstance in his entire life. And what's he doing? He's saying well, I can't do this, but hey, you know God's out there. Like, there's a real God. These are guys, by the way, the chief cupper and baker, these are guys that probably believe in, like, you know, multitude of gods, like so many different gods in Egypt. That's just what their culture was. And here's Joseph. He's like, hey, the real God, okay, the one true God, he can do this for you. Like, he can, like, doesn't he know everything? And they're like, I don't know, I guess, maybe that makes sense. And so Joseph says, why don't you tell me your dreams? He's saying, I got some you know, I got some, uh, why don't you give me a shot? I got some experience with dreams. I had a couple dreams once, and they were super weird too. And I don't know, it hasn't happened yet, but I think it's going to happen, you know, that type of thing. And so they tell the, him their dreams, and they're weird. Again, like most dreams are, and you should go home, and you should read what the dreams were, and you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. Um, and so the cupbearer goes first. And so he tells Joseph, he says, hey, um, here's, what my here's what my dream is. And Joseph's listening. He's like, he hears it. And he's like, okay, I know actually exactly what this dream means. And he's like, and it's a God thing, okay? So it's not me. It's God. But this is what your dream means. In three days, all right, Pharaoh is going to lift up your head, and he's going to restore you to your previous position. And the cupbearer is like, Sweet. All right. That sounds pretty good to me. I could get out of here. This place stinks. All right. This is not where I want to be. All right. I, I hope you're true. I don't know if you know anything about interpreting dreams. Yes, you know, or, or not. But, uh, 
But hey, if you're right, I'm all good with that. Now, the, the, cup, or the baker, he's sitting in there too, right? And he had a weird dream that was very similar to the cupbearer's dream. And so he's like, hey, <laughs> that sounded pretty good, all right? Maybe my dream is something really good too. And so he's asking Joseph, he's like, hey, I had a dream. Here's, here's, he begins to tell Joseph his dream. And uh, Joseph's like, hey, here's a similar but just not as good. Okay, this is what your dream means. In three days, Pharaoh's going to take your head, he's going to lift it up really off of your body, and he's going to pale your body in a pool, and the birds are going to eat your face. All right, that's literally what the dream means. That's what he tells him. And the cupbearer, or the, the baker's like, wait, what? All right, that's not what I signed up for. And as you hear that, you know, as I was reading this, I'm like, dude, Joe, take it easy, man. You know, shh, that's, that's a little harsh. Like, why can't you just say, I'm not so sure about yours, you know, yours is tougher than normal. Why don't we give it a few days and see what happens, you know? He doesn't do that. He's just like flat out. He's like, yeah, you're, he's going to lift your head right off your body, and uh, you're going to be impaled on a pole, and the birds are going to eat your face. And, um, and then he turns to the cupbearer, and he says, hey, Baker, you're going to die. So, all right, you have three, I'll make sure you get some, your last meal will be good, okay? But, uh, but you, cupbearer, he says, when all goes well for you, all that I ask is that you remember me. Remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh. I'm not saying you got to tell Pharaoh the whole story. I'm not saying you got to tell, like, like, talk me up a whole bunch. I'm just saying, you know, if you could just, like, I don't know, whenever the time is right, just, like, like mention me to him and get me out of this place. I don't want to be in this prison. He says, for I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that I should be put, that, that should put me in the dungeon. He's like, I haven't done anything. All right, help me out. And obviously, I think sometimes when we as Christians read this, we're like, hey, Joseph, he moved up the ranks. He's probably living pretty good now. That's not the case. All right, he is a slave in a dungeon. He is a slave in the prison. Whether he has work to do or not, whether he's in charge of anything or not, Joseph does not want to be there any longer. And we find out that three days go by. And sure enough, Pharaoh gives the cupbearer his job back. And sure enough, the baker is executed on that third day. And we think to ourselves, we're like, man, that's great. Well, kind of, you know, like maybe not for the baker, but like for, for Joseph, you know, isn't that, isn't that great? Like, everything came true. Like, God helped him out. God's, you know, he's, now he's got an official standing before a pharaoh, like, every single day. And surely this is going to come up. Or, you know, surely this is how he's going to get out. And it says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. And he forgot him. Can you imagine what it would be like to be Joseph at this point in his life? He's in his 20s, right? Actually, we know he's like 28, right? Can you imagine what it would be like? Like, put yourself just in Joseph's shoes for just a second, right? Here, all this stuff has happened through his life, the ups and the downs. And here he, he sees a clear way out, right? Like, hey, this is God's plan. I mean, you ever done that when you feel like you know God's plan for your life because you see like a wide open door, like, oh, this has got to be it. Like, what are the odds that this happens in my life? Like, Joseph, I'm sure he's thinking, what are the odds that the cupbearer is like, in, uh, like, I'm in charge of him for a few months or for a year or whatever, and then he's going to go back to Pharaoh. Like, this is it. Like, this is my chance. And he's forgotten about it. And you know, Joseph, the first day, he's waiting, right? Like, he's there. He's like, oh, man, this is the day. Nothing happens. He's like, all right, tomorrow, it'll be tomorrow. All right, this dude, like, you know, I treat him, I 
treated him right. And the next day, nothing. Three days go by, nothing. A week goes by, nothing. A month goes by, nothing. A year goes by, nothing. And Joseph, you know, don't you feel like, I'm sure at times Joseph's just like, is this ever going to happen? All right, is this how God's going to be with me? Like, what is going on here? And as the more days go by, less, there's less and less hope of him getting out of there. But Joseph chooses to continue to live like God was with him. Is that crazy? All right? Some of us, we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're just like, oh, this is a bad day. Like, we don't choose to live like God's with us. We, you know, it just ruins our whole day. Or we have a little argument. Or we have a little fight. Or we see something on the news that we don't like. And it, like, it's like, you know, it just completely changes our move. Here's this kid, all right, this 28-year-old kid who, who all this has happened to him, and he chooses to live like God is with him. By the way, that's a choice that we make every single day. You realize that? That's a choice that you make and I make Every single day, even when life isn't going the way that we want it to, even when life isn't going the way that we plan. And so here we got, uh, we got Joseph, all right? It says at the end of two years, two years, he's been waiting in there. This is two years. I mean, he's been in prison for a lot longer than that. But this is two years after the cupbearer, all right, left. This is Pharaoh had a dream, right? And in the morning of that dream, Pharaoh goes, and he says, when morning came, he was troubled about it. He didn't know what that means, and it's a super weird dream, too. And so he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. He's trying to get some advice, like, hey, here's my dream. It's weird. I know I'm a little embarrassed about it, but what's this mean? And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. And they're just like, we don't know. We don't know what this means. We don't know what's going on. And at this point, I think the cupbearer is standing there, and like a light bulb goes off in his head. He's like, Oh, yeah, that's a kid in prison. I forgot about him. And he kind of interrupts the whole proceedings because they're all discussing. They're like, man, I don't know. Maybe it means this. Maybe it means that. I don't, you know, I, we don't really know for sure, Pharaoh, but let's just, you know. And, and the cupbearer is like, oh, okay, uh, sir, sir, can I, just, can I just interrupt real quick? Um, I hate to even bring this up, but do you happen to remember that time, like, long, 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 long time ago that we had that small disagreement I messed up. It was on me, all right? It was on me. Um, and you had me thrown into prison just for a little while. Again, not a big deal. I totally deserved it, all right? This, you know, I, I hate to even bring this up, but when I was there in prison, um, which I should, that's where I should have been. That's what I deserved. Um, there was this, like, slave there, and I can't even remember his, his name, but it was this kid, and I don't know if he's still alive or not, but, uh, but I had this weird dream, too, and it was super weird, and he told me what that dream meant, and he happened to be right. It was kind of crazy. It was kind of weird. And, uh, and same thing with the baker. Remember that baker? And that baker was, he was a bad dude. I'm so glad he's gone. You made the right decision by cutting off his head. You know that guy? Remember him? Yeah, he had a dream too. And, and Joseph, or he wouldn't, you know, this kid, he doesn't even tell him his name. This kid, he told him too. And that happened just like this kid said it would happen. And he's like, here's, here's my idea. And Pharaoh, you, we could do whatever you want because you're the boss, you're the man, all right? I'm just throwing out ideas here. Okay, again, I'm on, I got your back, I'm on your side, whatever. He's really kissing up to him. You get what I'm saying? All right, he's like, what if we go get that kid, if he's even still alive, we could bring him in here and maybe he could tell you what, uh, what your dream means. Maybe he can help you out here. And when Pharaoh hears this, 
It says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him from the dungeon. And I want you to be able to picture this. It says, they shaved him, they changed his clothes, and he went to Pharaoh. I mean, they're like, Joseph's like walking, and he's doing the rounds. He's got his clipboard. He's like, you know, you know, Joseph, or not Joseph, you know, whatever. Zach, you here? And they're like, hey, present, you know, and he's like, check, got these. He's doing that type of thing. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he's in charge of the whole place. And uh, he's got his clipboard in hand, and they like, Rush in, they're like, hey, Joseph, Pharaoh wants you now, not tomorrow, not in a little bit. He wants you now. We got to get you cleaned up because this dude, he smells like prison for years. And so they, they wash him up, they shave him, they put on clean clothes, and uh, he's going as he's walking, and they're cut, maybe they're running because when Pharaoh wants something, and uh, they, they, you know, it's like immediate, okay? It's not delayed. It's you, he wants this now. And so he's running. They're like, hey, here's some rules that you got to know. Okay, here's how you speak. Here's how you talk. Here's how you walk. Um, this is how you bow down to him, and you only get this close. You need to stand over here. Don't do this. Don't do that. They're telling him all this stuff. And Joseph, you need to hurry. Let's go. You know, let, let's, let's move. Let's move. Let's move. And uh, this is Joseph's big chance. As he's running, this is all happening all at once. And Joseph, you know what he's thinking? He's just like, finally, like, man, that stupid cupper, all right, like, what took him so long? He finally, this is finally my chance. And think about it. If you're Joseph's mentor, what are you telling him at this point? You're going, hey, man, this is it, right? You got to seize the moment. This, you got you to take this. You got to hand Pharaoh your resume, and you need to tell him about your experience. You need to go in with confidence, and you need to tell him that you have the skill that he needs for this job. And tell him your weaknesses, too, and your biggest weaknesses are always like you work too hard and you care too much, you know, that type of thing. And so you go in, and you give him this, and you want this job. Like, this is the job for you. And so Joseph stands before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, hey, he says, I have had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. And so you're like, this is it. And Joseph says, eh, I'm not able to do that. You're like, what? Everybody in the room, I'm sure there was a gasp. They're just like, <gasps> you know, like, what is he saying? Uh, what, what is going on here? And you know the cupbearer is like, immediately he's like, uh, that's not the guy. I don't know who that guy is, but, uh, but that's not the guy I was talking about. You know, Joseph, come on, man. He's, and so Joseph continues. He's like, I'm not able to do that, Pharaoh. Sorry. He says, it is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. He's like, it's not me. I'm not doing this. See, instead of claiming the ability to interpret the dreams himself, which he seems to be able to do. I'm not saying he could do it by himself, but, you know, he can interpret dreams. He points to God. This is impressive. I mean, this is one of the most impressive things. It, 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 like, we don't do this. I, I, and I don't have enough time to go through um, to kind of camp out on this, but we don't do this. We don't think like how Joseph thinks right now. Like, think about it. Whenever we do something good, we claim it, right? Don't we do that? I got that promotion. I got those grades. I finished that project. I won that. I did this. I did that. It's just all those things. Even, even if it's like good things in our life, like I supported this organization. I gave to that. I invited them to church. I took care of that for them. I served them in that way. I forgave them. It's all of this stuff. See, we, it's just like ingrained in us. It's just how we are. It's just the human nature. And by the way, it's not good. 
We are so all about ourselves. Everything that we say, the way that we talk, always puts a favorable impression on ourselves. But here Joseph, he comes on the scene and he's got so much at stake. I mean, his life is at stake here. We get that, right? Right? Not only, I mean, it, the worst thing is not he goes back to prison. The worst thing is Pharaoh's just like, all right, I don't like you. You know, you're going to go get impaled on the pole next, okay? That's the worst thing that could happen. And so his life is in his hands, and his life has been miserable. And this is, like, clearly a God thing that he's standing before Pharaoh. And here Pharaoh's like, yeah, I can't do that. But God can. And for some reason, you know, he's just like, you know, God uses me to interpret dreams. I don't understand why. Like, I don't even know why. But this is, this is a God thing. And, uh, and it's just like, what? Remember that punk 17-year-old kid who was wearing the, his dad's, you know, coat, special coat, walking around flaunting it with his brothers, by the way, telling his brothers that they're going to bow down to him someday? Remember that kid? Right? That kid's gone. I mean, he, he is gone. He's not there anymore. It's like 13 years of slavery and work and prison living and just flat-out waiting, which we hate. Like 13 years of that has humbled him. It has changed Joseph. And God, what we see is that God has used those miserable circumstances to humble Joseph. God has used those miserable circumstances in Joseph's life to teach Joseph. By the way, just like God uses bad circumstances in our lives to teach us different things too. Like I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what deal you're, you're trying to make it through right now. Like, like, I don't know the circumstance of your life or what's, go, what's going on in different areas. Of your life. I, don't, I don't know. But I'm guessing not all of them are, like, perfect and rosy, okay? I'm guessing there's some that you're like, yeah, I wish this was different. Man, I wish I wasn't in this circumstance right now. I wish this wasn't going on in my life right now. And I just want to point out, okay, for you, which might be the majority of us in this room, I just want to point out that God uses bad circumstances in our lives to teach us something. And maybe the reason why we're still stuck in this circumstance is because we haven't learned it yet. Stakes, right? I mean, Joseph, he's in this for 13 years. And it's miserable for him. And it's terrible. And so at this point in the room, everybody is holding their breath. There's a big gasp, like, what's going to happen? What's going on here? And Joseph, he's pointing to God. And, and by the way, you got to remember this culture, uh, Pharaoh was considered like part God, okay, himself. And so basically what, what Joseph's saying is like, yeah, Pharaoh, I know you think you're like, you're like a little G God. I'm talking about the big G God. You know what I'm talking about? The guy who's upstairs, you know, that guy. It's almost like Joseph is like wagging his finger in front of Pharaoh's face saying, um, yeah, my God is bigger than your gods, okay, plural. Okay, my God is bigger than all of your gods put together. And this statement that Joseph says when he says, no, I can't do this. Okay, strike number one. But strike number two is he's saying, and God can. Okay, my God, the God. And, uh, and everybody's just like, you know, this would have been super offensive to Pharaoh. And everybody's just like, oh, no, Joe. All right, that was the wrong answer. Oh, it's no one. We didn't tell him that. We, I didn't know he was going to do that. You know, and somebody probably runs out at that moment, I'm guessing, and saying, I'll get the poles ready. I'll get two poles ready. We'll impale Joseph on one, and we'll impale that cupbearer because it was his idea because that guy wants his job. You know, that's what we do. Anyway, and so um, they're like, you know, and, and Pharaoh's just like, okay, okay, what's going on here? What do you, what's this kid? He's, Pharaoh still wants to know what the dream means. He's still interested here. And so Pharaoh tells Joseph the dream anyway. And again, it's a very odd dream. 
And so Joseph tells him, he's like, hey, okay, I actually do know what this means, and this is a God thing, it's not me, okay, so just make sure you understand that. Um, But he says, God is actually giving you Pharaoh um, the inside scoop about what's going to happen the next 14 years. Pharaoh's like, okay, so, so, so what is it? Joseph goes on to explain. He says, okay, so the next seven years are going to be, like, super good. It's going to be awesome. Uh, the weather's going to be perfect. You're going to get rains at all the right time. And you're going to have, like, like, all your crops are going to be just, like, so plentiful. You're going to have more food than you know what to do with. It's going to be crazy. It's something that you've never, ever experienced, um, th- this type of thing in your entire life. And it's going to be seven of those years in a row. It's going to be awesome. But then after that, there's going to be seven years of, like, drought, and it's not going to rain, and it's going to be dusty, and the sun's going to be scorching. Like, like you're not going to be able to grow anything, and uh, it's going to be the worst ever. And so, and so God's just telling you that, hey, all this is going to happen, and nothing's going to grow during those seven years. And so Joseph um, gives Pharaoh his answer, and then he does something really, really, really stupid. He keeps talking. He says this. He says, uh, so now, why don't you do this, Pharaoh? Let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. And at this point, everybody's just like, oh, kid, stop talking, man. Like, you did, somehow you got out of your first, like, blunder, and now you're still going. Um, What's Joseph doing here? He's giving Pharaoh advice. Here you got this lowly slave. He's a foreign kid. He's been a slave for years. And he's giving the, the most, you know, powerful man in the world advice about what to do. I mean, it's unthinkable. Nobody speaks to Pharaoh like this. And Joseph's like, nah, Pharaoh, here. (laughs) Here's what you need to do. He says, let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt's, of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. And basically what, what Joseph is saying, is he's saying, hey, during the next seven years, everybody's going to have crops, and there's going to be so much food. It's going to be awesome, and everybody's going to be happy. Uh, during those seven years, what you need to do, Pharaoh, is you need to tax 20% of the grain harvest for the next seven years. And guess what? It's going to be so good, no one's even going to care. Okay, it's the first time ever that we got people recorded, you know, not caring about paying taxes. So here we go. He's like, no one's even going to care. It's just going to be so good, probably, you know? And so you need to take that grain, you need to store it in that grain in huge grain cities, which, by the way, you have not built, and you should start building that tomorrow because you're going to be needing this by the next harvest. And uh, then, Pharaoh, you will personally own 20% of the food supply in Egypt. And then, during the seven bad years, Pharaoh, you can sell that food back to the people. And by the end of the story, what we're going to find out is that Pharaoh owns all the silver, because he sells all the food back. He's going to own all the silver, all the money, all the livestock, all the land, and all the people, because they sell themselves as slaves to Pharaoh. I mean, he owns, like, everything. And, by the way, this is why I think Pharaoh allowed Joseph to keep on talking. I think everybody's just like, oh, no, what's, what's he doing? He's giving Pharaoh advice, and Pharaoh's just like, now keep going. Hey, this is pretty good. You're saying, okay, so you're saying I tax the people 20%. They're not even going to care, and they're going to give that to me willingly, and then I sell it back to them? That doesn't sound so bad. Hmm. Okay. All right. And, uh, and everybody's going to need to buy that from me. And so, okay, that sounds pretty good. Hey, keep going. Keep going. All right, what else you got? You know, he, I think that's the reason why he allows Joseph to keep talking. And, uh, and then the most important piece, Joseph says, is uh, you need to find someone who will keep the eye on the ball for the next seven years and doesn't slack off. And so Pharaoh, is he's thinking to himself, and in the next verse, he says, the proposal pleased Pharaoh. I bet it did, right? He's going to own, he's going to make him rich and all of his servants. 
And he said to them, he says, can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? By the way, notice Pharaoh, Pharaoh, guy who thinks he's part God. He realizes the difference in Joseph's life. He could see God in Joseph's life. He sees that Joseph is living his life as if God was with him, even though it didn't feel like God was with him all the time. And so Pharaoh notices this. He's like, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. He says, you will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands, and only I, as king, will be greater than you. And Pharaoh also said to Joseph, he says, see, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. And then a few verses later, it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, and he traveled throughout the land of Egypt. Finally, he's free. He's been waiting for this for 13 years, just 13 miserable years Finally, he's free. And you would think this would be the end of the story, right? I mean, it's like, it's the perfect underdog story. You got this kid, he's sold a slave, he works his way up, then he works his way up again, and, and he finally, now he's the, he's really the most, most second, he's the second most important, second most powerful man in the world at this point. And this all happens within a matter of hours, within 20 minutes, you know? It's a God thing. And you would think the story will be over, but God's not done with Joseph yet. And what we're going to find out is God's got even bigger things planned for Joseph and what's going to happen over the next 14 years. And so make sure you're back here next week and the following week as we wrap up the story. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the story of Joseph. It's a fun story. It's a good story, Lord. It teaches us so much. There's so much to, like, pull from it. God, we... Thank you for that. And we ask that, Lord, mostly that we would just, especially as we go into work tomorrow and start getting back to our normal lives, Lord, that, God, that you would help us to live like you are with us. And sometimes it's hard for us to feel. Sometimes we almost feel like you just don't care. And it's just so far away from the truth. God, we ask us to help, that you would help us live a little more like Joseph. God, we thank you for that example for us. In Jesus' name, amen.